0: It was a test. I knew it was coming, but you didn't. How many of you have, have looked at things and said, oh, my gosh, we got a new guy. Now it's all going to be different, right? How many of you are depressed that it's going to be different? Oh, co- yeah, there's some hands. Good. We have to have some honest people, right? Because guess what? You got used to things. But we have a God who says, there's no such thing as used to. We have a God who says, you know what? It's time to be alive and to continue to move forward and to press forward. He doesn't leave us static in anything. He says, I have a purpose. I have a plan. And oh, by the way, I have a plan for you. He has a plan for you. Not not. He's listening to you for your plan. He has a plan for you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I know the guy who has the plan for me, then I can begin to gain confidence in him because if I don't trust him, his plan is still going to play out, but it's going to play out minus my trust. But if I step into trust and relationship with him, then guess what happens? Oh, Hey, I got a guy who knows the, knows the plan for me, and I can trust him with my life. Why would I trust him with my life? Well, because he gave it to me. He's who knit me together in my mother's womb. You'll hear that statement from me lots during Scripture and passages because it's always a reminder to every one of us that, you know what, God is who chose and created each one of us, Period. We didn't make ourselves, it wasn't two people who made a baby, it was God who knit the child together in their mother's womb. God is who creates us, God is who knows the plan, and God is who puts it all together. So let's take a look at what he says to us this morning in the book of James. As as some of you looked on Facebook and saw, we are going to begin a series on the book of James which is kind of like uh, clubbing the pastor over the head because James starts out with just in-your-face challenges and immediately goes to more in-your-face challenges. And it's not an easy, smooth, soft, fuzzy, warm kitten. It's a Rottweiler. That's going to grab a hold of every one of us and it's going to rattle our cages. And I've always discovered over my years of preaching that when I start digging into God's word at this level where you're starting to dig into the book of James, guess what happens? Trials, tests, challenges, and all the things that he talks about because he's trying to help us to truly grow and understand from the word of God. So here's what it says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what does James teach us? The first thing he teaches us is he says to us, consider it pure joy. Now, I don't know about you, but what the heck is wrong with James? How many of you have considered your last trial or test pure joy? Let's see a show of hands. See, you're all honest this morning because nobody's hand went up. Nobody considers trials or tests to be joyful, right? Wrong. God says, I want you to understand some things about it. So how does this work? The question that we have to ask ourselves is, Do we truly believe that God can make gold out of chaos? Because, see, if I know that God can make gold out of chaos, then maybe I can take chaos and consider it joy because what's coming is going to be gold that has been forged in the fire. So it's going to be pure, and it's going to be set apart, and it's going to be different. Listen to what it says here in the book of Isaiah uh, 61.3. To grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, to give them uh, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Look at that it pulled it up right consider it joy when you face trials why because God will convert that trial into gold how do I know that that's what God does go back to the Old Testament and look at God's work he gives them beauty for ashes gladness for mourning peace for despair What does he do? He takes those things that are contrasting in our lives, that are struggles in our life, and he says, I'm going to convert them into something more splendorous than you could ever imagine. I'm going to give you those things. That's what he chooses to do. So, when I think about a passage like that, and I know that the Bible isn't written in independent pieces, the Bible is written so that the whole context of Scripture all goes together, then when I go back and I find a series of passages that says that God converts these things, ashes into beauty, and all of those pieces and parts, and I know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, well, then isn't it possible for me to consider it joy when I face trials? Because God can convert trials to gold. And that's the truth of what he does. Now, the second part of the verse says, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So it's it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Did you hear what it said? It, it used a word that we really wish that it didn't use. It used the word whenever. Well, what does that mean? It means trials are coming. It means when. It doesn't mean if. How many, you know, let's just take a vote here and see. How many of you in this church would love for that word to be changed or translated? If you face trials, how many would, let me see a show of hands. (laughs) Yeah, see, everybody's going, okay, yeah, we'll take if. Because that gives some gray area, right? And God says in the book of James, there is no if, it's when. Because you are going to face trials. And you are going to face challenges. You see, the reason we know we're going to face trials and challenges is that we live in a world that is ruled and controlled by the evil one, by Satan himself. We live in a world where it is not our home. Our home as believers in Jesus Christ is in heaven. Our our place of dwelling here is a place where we have to be about our Father's work, why? Because the people who aren't hearing the truth of who Jesus Christ is are dying and going to hell. Why are they doing that? Because it is a world that is ruled by the king of hell himself. It says this in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Once again, it's the concept of putting all of Scripture together in order to really understand what's going on here. This says very clearly, Satan is the one who has dominion. He's not the power, but he has dominion. He's been given this place. He's been given this place. So, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Let's go to the next piece of it. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Testing of your faith. This is for all the school kids, except maybe homeschool kids don't do tests anymore. I don't know. But, or they do a lot of tests, okay? I'm watching this front row up here, and they're all going, oh, my gosh, it's Test Monday. Right? We have tests. We have these things that we have to face. Here's some questions we have to ask ourselves. Are we prepared for the test? Have we done our homework? Have we turned in our assignments? Have we done the extra study that we needed to do? Wouldn't it be nice if God said to us, look, here's what I want you to read and study. And here it's going to be an open book test and you're welcome to go through and here's all your answers and you'll be just fine. It is kind of interesting because God does give open book tests and he gives us not only open book tests, but he gives us all the answers ahead of time and he provides for us along that way. But tests of our faith are what I call pop quizzes. It's not a test of faith if I know it's coming. It's a test of faith when it hits me out of nowhere. An illness. A baby that didn't sleep that night. Ice and snow that you weren't expecting. Struggles, trials, tests, sickness, challenges, legal stuff. All kinds of things. They're all things that come upon us very quickly. And please understand, they are coming upon us very quickly and blindsiding us as a test of our faith. It is not God who is doing that, but it is God who allows it so that our faith can begin to grow. Why? Well, because if he told us ahead of time everything that was going to happen to us, and then we were in charge of seeing to it who would be God not him we would but instead God says I'm gonna allow some of these things how do we know that God allows it well what did God do with Job did he allow a test or a trial I think he did he allowed a big test a big trial didn't he in Job 2 9 we see how another person responded to Job's test or trial it was his wife backup one, sorry. Back up two. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Isn't that awful? I just had a test. We'll see if I'm going to pass. What did Job's wife say to him when she watched the trial and test that he was going through that God knew about? That God allowed to happen. He didn't put it in place. He took his hands off and allowed it to take place. And Job's wife said to him, Why don't you curse God and die? Have you ever been in a trial or a test where the people around you are so exhausted and so tired and so overwhelmed by everything that's around them that they just assume you depart? See, we we can get mad at Job's wife. It's real easy. We look at that and go, oh, what a horrible person. But that's because we forgot what we did yesterday. Because you know what? When you come to that point of frustration with somebody that you just wish they'd go away, you're no different than she was. You have done exactly the same thing. You are making exactly the same statement. You are putting yourself in a position where you, watching this trial or test, are taking yourself as the most important. You see, she was tired. She didn't want to have to deal with this anymore. She didn't want all this mess that was going on around him. She didn't want to lose everything. She didn't want to, and guess what was happening? She was focused on who? Herself. Who was Job focused on the whole time? God. That's why he responds differently to the trial and to the challenge. So, let's look at another example. This is an example of the Lord knowing what's coming, but he also knows how we're going to respond, and that's when we deal with Peter. Peter says to him, hey, I'm ready to do this, and, and here's what God says, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But Peter replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison, even to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you even know me. Trial. Test. Peter thinks, I, I got this. I, I'm going to stand with you. Have you ever had a person come alongside you in a trial or a test and say, I'm walking through this with you. We will go all the way through it. I don't care what I have to suffer. What did Jesus say that Peter was going to do? Before the end of the day. He would deny it three times, that he even knew him. See, God is fully aware, not only that the trial or test is upon you, but he's also fully aware of how you're going to respond. Now here's what I really love to get from this, because this is really important. If you wrote nothing else down today, you might jot this down. And if you don't jot this down, that's okay. I'll post it on Facebook sometime this week so that you can remember. And if you don't get Facebook, then uh, I'll have Megan send it in an email. And if you don't get email, then maybe we'll put it in the newsletter. We'll do something with it. Anyway, listen to what it says. This is another important lesson that comes from this passage. Most important stuff of the day right here. Failure in our faith does not flunk us because of God's grace. You ever felt like you failed? You ever felt like not only a failure but you flunked? You're done, I just can't make it through? But God, in all of his grace and mercy, what did he do with Peter? The man who would deny him three times. The man who said, I have the faith to do this. I'm strong enough to do this. And God says, you're not even strong enough to make it through today. But I love you. I'm praying for you you're not a failure listen to me again God's saying I love you that's to you I'm praying for you that's to you and here's the words that most of us need to hear regularly you are not a failure you're not a failure because his grace is sufficient to bring us through everything. The last example I'll give is an example of Philip. And it's in the book of John. And here's what it says. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a little bite. See, God not only knew, but God was putting it out there. He knew how he was going to respond, but he wanted to see and to grow him. This was a way that he could show him how powerful he was. God was demonstrating how powerful he was. Jesus Christ was pointing out to Philip, I am who they say I am, and I have the capability of doing something that is beyond your wildest imagination." How much faith do you have in the Lord would you have been Philip when was the last time that you guys or girls well sorry whatever we'll use we'll come up with a generic term girls or something we'll, we'll, we'll define words when was the last time that you found yourself in a situation where you had to make a decision And the decision required you to look at resources that were beyond what you have but that God was capable of providing. How did you choose? Did you choose only according to the resources you had in your pocket? Or did you choose according to the resources of the God who created everything? Now I'm not saying run out and go buy a new car because God will provide. That's not what I said. If I see new cars next week, I'm gonna go put notes on all of them, okay? (laughs) But here's what I am saying. Boy, I I really would love to fill that Operation Christmas Child shoe box, but man, we are really tight right now. Things are really tight, but, but I've been praying and God just keeps bringing those shoe boxes up in front of me, And for some reason, I just have this sense that God is telling me he wants me to fill a shoebox because it's supposed to bless a kid. And it's supposed to be sent to somebody who's gonna hear the truth of who Jesus Christ is and I'm supposed to be part of that. But I don't have the money, God. Is God capable of providing for you to fill that shoebox in order to accomplish the task that he desires to have accomplished ahead? The answer is absolutely. Was God capable of feeding the thousands of people without the wages of months? God was capable of feeding the thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. And if you've ever been to Alaska fishing, I'm sure that's where he caught them. It's an inside story to that. I just got back from Alaska fishing. Here's what we have to know. God can and will provide for our every need. Without question. If it is truly a need... He can and he will provide. Will you trust him? Are you going to let him make beauty out of ashes? Gladness out of mourning? Peace out of despair? there's a young friend of mine who's sitting here this morning who ran into me at a restaurant yesterday I go on dates with my wife on Saturday morning and so I don't answer my phone but we were sitting at J&L and having breakfast because I've been told that that's the best place to go for breakfast so that's where we went And we sat there and just to let you know we ate off the senior menu there you go. We're doing it the right way, right? And all of a sudden, this guy's standing next to my table, and this guy reaches down and he throws his arms around me and he gives me this big hug. And it's a young man that I know has faced trials of many kinds, and he has been through the mud. But it's also a young man who went with me on a Canadian missions trip and took a group of teenagers up there and we drove the bus all the way up and all the way back and we ministered together for 10 days. We know each other. And all that I experienced at that very moment was a very clear picture from God saying to me, I got this, are you gonna trust me? I got this. Look at the people I'm going to bring back into your life. Look at the connections you're going to make, both new and old. They're going to see you. Are you going to trust me to be able to accomplish what it is that I have set before you to accomplish? And here's what he has already accomplished. He's sitting here today. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Look at what God does. Look at what God does. Now, I'll let him know afterwards, since he's a younger generational guy and he tends to rock out a lot more, that he'll probably like second service music better than first, but that's okay. The concept is the same. And the f- truth is, God put on his heart to risk coming to a place that he had not ever been. Why? Because God brought his friend who was connected to him and could help him back through the process of being tied into Christ and changed forever. Isn't that beautiful? He did the same thing for us. Can the communion servers please come forward? If you don't know who you are, I'll look you up in my phone and text you right now. Now, listen. God chose to reach out to us, to care for us, to love us. And he loved us so much that he sent his only son to pay a price that we weren't able to pay. They had established in the Old Testament all of these opportunities for people to have their sins blanketed over. Thank you for filling that for me. But God said, nope. Covered over is not adequate Instead, I'm going to send the sacrifice that will take it away. What a joy. What a joy. We're going to be quiet during this communion time because it's time for you to do business with God and not be distracted by anything. I want you to consider parts of the sermon today. Do I trust God enough? Do I believe that he can make gold out of chaos? And after you have the elements and you're seated, then I'll share a short message and we'll partake together. When you're ready to come and receive the elements, come and receive them.